Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. And what's up, what's up? I'm Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark. This is GC Live home of the game day chair and brought to you by affordable medical equipment at affordable medical check them out 803-926-1493 they make the daily approach to this show possible again they are home of the game day chair which i believe would make an outstanding christmas present for really for your significant other or for yourself i um I may be alone in this, but every year I buy myself a Christmas present as well. So, by the way, joined today, we're going to be here shortly by a very special guest, Darian Stewart. Darian, I can see you down there. Give me a thumbs up when you're ready, man, and I'll bring you in. He is good to go. Joining us right now on GC Live, former Gamecock, now former NFLer, Darian Stewart. Darian has got his uh, Gamecock hat on. Um, Darian, thanks for joining us, man. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing good, man. I'm always rocking my Gamecock hat, man. I, I see that. Right here, my favorite hat. I see that. I, I like that, man. So, um, so big, big news today. Obviously, from you, um, I, I guess that the word is sort of already out there. But um, for for the people who haven't seen it, why don't you tell everybody your uh, your big career news today? Well, today I'm uh, making it official that I will be. Um, retiring from the NFL officially. So I'm happy, man. Yeah, it was, you knew that they would be coming. Uh, you know, I'm happy to do it. And um, it, it seemed like the perfect time with COVID going on. Yeah, man. So uh, now it's like uh, pretty much a, a decade in the league and just, um, you know, what, what has that experience been like for you? Um, I'm sure you probably dreamed of it when you were a kid. So, so what, what was it like to actually experience it and how does it feel to sort of hang, hang things up today, man? You know, it, it's still kind of surreal, man, that I'm, uh, I've got a chance to play 10 years in the NFL. Um, but you know, I'm happy. I'm, I'm glad it's over, man. So now I get to hang with the family. Uh, I haven't had this much time on my hands in years. And, uh, so I'm trying to find every little thing to, to get into from golfing to, video games uh you know every little thing i you know spending time with my oh my kid i'm taking her to and from school so it's a lot of, a lot of stuff to look forward to Darian, appreciate you joining us man i really do and congratulations again on on your career and you know moving on to the next chapter which we want to get into for sure i want to go way back right to uh i remember following your recruitment you know in the class of 2006 and uh, was actually looking back at some old stories on rivals that people had, had done with you about your recruitment. One thing I noticed in one of the stories, you actually said you liked receiver better in high school and obviously ended up playing defensive back at South Carolina and playing it in the NFL. So I guess a good decision by you. Oh, stick, great, great decision, man. But, great but how did that – why did you like receiver? And then how did sort of the switch to DB happen like at the college level? Oh, uh, that was easy, man. Um, you know, we was playing a, a playoff game um, back in high school, and my brother was my quarterback then. And he threw. Uh, we were going into uh, into manager just before halftime, and he threw a, a a nine route to me just down the field. It hit the it hit the ground early, but the safety just came over top and slapped the living mess out of me, man. 
Like it was a late hit, but you know, I got up, shook it off, but I was ready for halftime after that. And uh that decision right that made my decision right there, final. So so you wanted to dole out the punishment. Oh, a- a- absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you you definitely made a transition to be able to do that. So tell me about the recruiting process. You know, I know that you know, for a guy that played 10 years in the league, you know, you didn't draw the huge, huge list of scholarship offers right out of high school. I mean, you had several good options, but you signed with South Carolina. Tell me what you remember about recruiting and like how South Carolina came about as an option and why you ended up choosing the Gamecocks. Um, Well, I always wanted to play uh, in the SEC and um, I wanted a shot to play on Saturdays, uh, you know, a place where my mom can catch me, uh, you know, on TV. And Alabama and Auburn, um, they started recruiting me, but they didn't offer. And um, so that right there made me get out of state. And uh, it happened to be the best decision, man. Uh, I learned so much. I got to meet a a bunch of great guys, man. And uh, that's what it's all about. So I was happy, uh, you know, to come up there to South Carolina. Darren, I noticed probably the last decade or so, man, when you've been in the league, it seems like the the Gamecock fraternity of guys that are also in the league has like grown during that time span. What what's it been like for you, man? And and what's it like playing? You know, maybe you go go play a team and you see Stephon Gilmore is, is you know playing against you, or or Alshon's in the league, or what's that been like to sort of be a part of that fraternity and seeing all these other guys have success as well? Oh man, it's so it's so dope, man, just to see. Uh, see your brothers you you work with uh, and they live in their dreams. Uh, it's, it's beautiful to see, uh, especially when you get to play each other twice a year, like me and Melvin, and uh, or even if they're on the same team, like me and Jerry Cook. So, you know, I had an opportunity to play with some of my guys and, um, of course, see them twice a year. And, it, you know, it's always good catching up with them. All right, so Darian, back, back to the college career in South Carolina and also an NFL question, so sort of a two-parter for you. What is your maybe your fondest memory at South Carolina? It can be a game, a moment in a game, just an experience you had, and then also same question for the NFL, you know, favorite part of both of those phases of your career. Um, the fondest memory in college, it was um, the sandstorm uh, Playing Ole Miss on Thursday night, man. That that game right there, it, was, it started out rough for me uh, individually, uh, but you know, down the stretch, what I found a way to make some plays, and uh, you know, I just remember the crowd just going crazy. Yeah. What about the, at the NFL level? You know, what was your favorite either time period or moment or experience there? Um, probably the AFC, just the playoff experience in general just the uh, intensity that you have to play with and uh, just the focus that you have to have. Uh, every play counts um, in the playoffs. So uh, once I once I left St. Louis and got to, I mean, not Denver, but uh, Baltimore, you know, I had my first taste of it. So I would say just that whole playoff atmosphere uh, was, the, was the best of my career. Again, we're joined now, obviously, by former Gamecock, former NFLer Darian Stewart. Darian, so um, – Obviously, the big talk around these parts has been the Shane Beamer hire, man. So uh, I know many of the former players like yourself have have been sort of in Shane's corner. They've they've been happy about this hire. Um, I think looking back, y'all's time sort of sort of overlapped. How how well did you know Coach Beamer um, back when you were playing, and what was your experience like with Coach Beamer? Well, I'm stoked, man. I'm I'm happy. I'm happy he's back. Um, you know, he seems to be where he wants to be, and uh, you know, he was actually my position coach, so I know him very well. And uh, just to let y'all know, just to give y'all the um, you know, clear minds, and just let y'all know he's gonna be okay. He's a great he's a great leader. Um, he's someone that the players are gonna want to play for, uh, and that's what that's what you want. And uh, he's behind his players. And that's all you need. Darian, what, we opened it up in the comments here for some of our uh, listeners, our watchers, to ask some questions too. And this one was actually one I planned on asking you as well. So you mentioned free, some free time on your hands now. You want to spend time with family. But career-wise, what are you looking at doing now? Are you thinking about getting into coaching? Are you stepping away from football totally? Or are you totally unsure? You know, Do you have any plans right now? Uh, well, I've been – 
Um, I've been decided uh, on my retirement for a long time, so I'm pretty much I've been sitting still with COVID going on. So, um, you know, next year I'm looking in, into jumping into some type of groove, some type of job, uh, you know, even if it's um, coming back to SC and uh, just being a player development type guy, man, and just becoming a mentor to the uh, to the young guys. Uh, I'd definitely be down for that. So, so is that sort of where your your passion would be going forward, Darian? Is something, obviously not on the field, but something still involved with the game? I imagine if you've been around the game for that long, um, it, it'd be it might be a little weird not being around the game. So, is that definitely something that uh, that sort of speaks to you? Uh, yeah, but uh, you know, it's always about that family time too. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I want to be able to uh, spend time with the kids and um, you know just be there to take them to and from school. Um, but, you know, uh, so time consuming being a, a coach, you know, uh, just traveling and stuff, uh, being on the road recruiting. But, uh, you know, being a player development guy, it, it keeps me in state and uh, it allows me to be hands on with the players as well, whether it's watching film, just being uh, everything they need me to be. Yeah, so there. here's a question uh, that just popped up here from RJ Darian. What was playing for Coach Spurrier like? Any funny memories of him? Seems like a lot of players have a Spurrier story. <laughs> hey, Spurrier, he, it was always um, a funny moment with him, man. Whether it was seeing him with his shirt off, practicing his golf swing uh, just before practice, uh, or it was well, it wasn't really funny when he got on you, uh, you know, after a bad game. I remember uh, I missed a tackle. Well, I got cut by a lineman. Uh, and the running back scattered off for about another 20 yards. He got after me in that uh, in that meeting room, man. And he was like, what, what, what's that, Stu? You, you didn't see him? I was like, no, sir. No, sir, I didn't see him. Well, open your eyes next time. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, it was some fun moments with Coach Burger. It was definitely an honor to, uh, you know, get an opportunity to play for him. We got another interesting question here, Darian, uh, from Gamecock04. Wants to know, uh, did you have a favorite defensive scheme? Um, was there, like, a favorite defense that you enjoy playing in the most? Or or were you just all about, hey, just let me go hit somebody and I'm, I'm happy with whatever they asked me to do? Um, it didn't really matter to me. I found that um, Coach Ellis Johnson had a four-two-five defense in college that uh, that fitted me pretty well. Um, it allowed me to play closer to the line, and uh, you know I made a lot of plays back there. But you know, for me, I just felt I was I was always a football player, so uh, the scheme uh, never really mattered to me. But once I got to the league, I realized three four was maybe the best scheme for me. I had the most fun playing in. Terry, to go back to Shane Beamer, who you mentioned earlier, obviously new head coach at South Carolina. Your position coach, like you said. Give us a little insight into his coaching, I guess, style. That's something people talk about a lot. You know, is he more laid back? Is he more intense when he's one-on-one coaching? And then what traits do you think he showed as a position coach that he's going to be able to carry over as a head coach to coach the entire team? Uh, Well, I think uh, just having him as my coach, uh, just from what I remember, he allowed us to, um, you know, to be ourselves and, uh, and make our mistakes and you know he he corrected them and just like um you know any other coach he uh but uh, he has a way of talking to his players to get the best out of them and uh he's not the one to uh to you know degrade any of his players he's gonna talk to you treat all his players as men and um you know and i think that's all you can ask for so it's always a respect thing and coach beamer i think is sort of talked about that and talked about trying to build a strong culture here and building a culture where guys want to come back that were, you know, with the team before, with the program before. What do you think it's going to take, Darian, in your mind for Coach Beamer to get things back to where they were when, you know, when I mean, it was at the peak here with Coach Spurrier. So what's it going to take to get South Carolina back to that level, do you think, in your opinion? Um, they need to they need to see more of us and us. I mean, uh, former players. I don't feel like enough of us come back. And uh, you know, whether it's a off season program, I know all of us are busy. Uh, but I feel like to get this thing turned around, it needs to feel more like a family. I feel like more of us needs to um, 
needs to come back more so these players can see and um and and feel like touch us feel like they know us because like right now they know is that they hear about us but they don't know us daring to put last one i've got for you man because i know you got a busy schedule today talking about a lot of stuff so last one for me personally what and somebody asked this in the comments too what toughest player you played against on another team and then best player you played with at south carolina so best teammate, best opposing player. Uh best teammate, um just um just absolute athlete. Sure. However you want to classify it. Uh Melvin Ingram. Yeah, like he, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a pretty good one. Yeah, he, he was a different athlete, man. He could do a no-hand backflip, man. He go in there, uh give you buckets on the basketball court. Play quarterback. He he did a lot, man. Uh, so I would say he was the most athletic, uh, the best athlete on the team for sure. And uh, just playing against, um, you know, just doing my career, or yeah, yeah. Ooh, we. It's a lot of guys, man. Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, uh, uh, let's see who gave us them. Oh, Antonio Brown, easy. Oh yeah, <laughs> there it is. Said, yeah, he gave us like. Five touchdowns, being big being too. So yeah. Yep. So I would say them too. Okay, cool, cool, man. And uh fi- final couple things here for me as well, Darian. I know you said um you were looking for some hobbies, playing some golf, uh playing some video games. What what are, what are you finding, man? What what are you good at and what uh, what's what's frustrating you as far as the new hobbies? What where are you leaning to, I guess? Oh, uh, you know, I've been an avid golfer since this pandemic came about. Uh mm-hmm. so I it's like I've been on tour. I, I try to get out there once or twice a week. Uh, you know, I pl- actually played yesterday with uh, Mo Brown and uh, Larry Freeman. Okay. Uh, it, it didn't go well for me, though. It was one of those days. So, um, but, you know, I'm sticking with golf, man. You know, I got to roll with the punches. It's, you know, it's a it's a fun sport, but, you know, you have those days. It, who who of the three is the better golfer on on an average day? You think like are are they better than you, or they just got the better of you yesterday? Yeah, they just got the better of me yesterday. <laughs> I would say because any other day that probably was their first time beating me in a long time. Okay, I got you. I got. Yeah. I'm gonna tell Mo you said that. <laughs> um, yeah, Mo. Darian, just, sorry, he's just getting back into it though, so I give him the benefit of the doubt. Okay, I got you. I got you, Darian, man. Uh, again, congrats on uh, the retirement. Uh, good luck the rest of the way, man, with what you do next. Please uh, please stay in touch with the show. Keep us updated. And uh, just, just finally, would you like to give uh, – I'll give the platform to you, man. You want to give a message to um, to the Gamecock fans or just anybody else who may be watching this? Hey, GC Nation, man, I'm coming back, and uh, we, hey, I'm looking forward to just mingling and meeting everybody, man. You see me, don't be afraid to stop and talk to me. Awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. Uh, like I said, Darren, we appreciate it, man. We'll let you get to your uh, your next media obligation there, dude. But uh, again, congrats, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, I'll see you. All right. Take care. Yep, good stuff, man. That's Darren Stewart, former Gamecock. Um, good stuff from him, and uh, some good questions from y'all. I, uh, I, I was curious to see what direction he would go on the uh, former players as far as Best that he played with, best that he played against. But Melvin, he he went most athletic. Melvin Ingram, pretty pretty good pick there. <laughs> yeah, you you know, probably would have been uh, hard-pressed to go against him. You know, I, I think there, there are certain guys that, depending on the era that they played in, um, that are going to get mentioned. Like, for Gamecock guys, when you ask him best teammate, or when you ask them best guy they played against, depending on era, there's going to be some common guys that come up. And Melvin is always one. Guys who played with Clowney are going to say Clowney. Um, you know, the, mo- the most common one that I've ever heard, and this was after Darian, but Todd Gurley is the one that all the Gamecocks, like in, in the era right after that, they all said Todd Gurley when I've asked them, you know, who's the best player you played against. But uh, Melvin Ingram definitely – uh, you know, obviously the stuff he could do. We saw some of it in practice back in the day. Like he mentioned yeah. quarterback, Melvin would throw a football like 90 yards or something. I mean, just effortless. It was insane. He he was on 
um, one of these NFL shows where they're like off season type shows, and they they had him throwing passes, and he's literally dropping seventy five yard dimes or or throwing the ball behind his back, I think, and just l- looks some some. Uh, I mean, here's the thing: compared to everybody else, anybody that's ever played in the NFL is built different than yeah, right. the average person, right? right? The thing about a guy like Melvin, he's built different even than the other guys for the most part in the NFL. And also Melvin, though, is a reminder, don't give up on a guy after their freshman or sophomore year because South Carolina signed Melvin as a great athlete. He was a linebacker, sort of outgrew that position, you would say, and then ended up uh, being – he was a defensive tackle, but I don't know that he bought into the idea no, not many linebackers like being called a defensive tackle. But once uh, somebody named Brad Lawing got it through his head, hey, you could go play in the NFL at this position. And, you know, and he's gone back and forth, like defensive end, especially in three-man fronts. Uh, you know, he's more kind of that role, I think, is where he fits perfectly. Um, can do a lot of different things for you, man. But playing in space, you know, he, he's he's a guy you want rushing the passer. So – it, it just reminds you. It just tells you don't always give up. No, yeah, you can't. If, if a guy, I mean, and and look, he got Melvin had a lot of recruiting hype too. You know, like he wasn't, he didn't have the huge offer list, but he was a four star guy, and word had gotten out about how freaky athletic he was. And so when he wasn't doing much as a freshman or sophomore, people, oh, I don't know about this guy. And by his own admission, you know, he very well could have washed out. But to his credit, to South Carolina's coaching staff's credit. Everybody stuck with it. He bought in, and now he's where he's at. And so, but yeah, freak athlete. He was on that sports science show too. Remember that? Yeah, they yeah. Time in his get off and everything, and it was just like an alien almost. Some of the stuff he could do. You know who I was surprised? I, I thought Darian would go in the direction of the opposing player. I wanted him to do one college. I, re- I really wanted to go college, but he did NFL opposing player. Who who would you have thought, Wes? Let me see if we're on the same page with this. Oh god. Best. It's it's I, I feel like it's easy. I feel like it's an easy one. Uh, I don't know, just tell me. Darren McFadden. Ah, uh, oh, okay. Well, Darren Mc, so Darian played the the last 2 years of of D-Max career. Darian played, he was a freshman and sophomore. So here's what Darren McFadden did in those games. A painful reminder for Gamecock fans. In 2006, Darian's freshman year, 25 carries for 219 yards and two touchdowns. And then in 2007, the one that still makes all the highlight reels all the time, 34 carries, 321 yards, one touchdown. Somehow only one touchdown. How did he but, only have a touchdown in that game? I don't I don't I, I was thought just, he had like ten touchdowns in that game. I was wondering the same thing. Also completed a pass in that game for twenty three yards just for I, added insult. I remember that. Um yep. so he had five hundred yards rushing basically in the two games. He averaged eight point I uh, lost it. Eight point eight a carry. Only eight point eight a carry in the in that 2006 game, the 2007 one, he bumped it up 9.4 yards to carry. See, I got a feeling that Darian probably, as a coping device, that his brain eliminated that game from. He blocked uh, it out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I should have asked him about it just to see his reaction, though. I really should have. I should have yeah. been. Let's get him back on. I need to. Yeah. Next time. We'll yeah, next time. He said he'd come back on the show, so yeah. we'll ask him next time. Maybe that's not a first interview with a guy type question, more of like a, a second or third. Yeah. 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 Um, but, no, that was cool. We certainly wish him luck. And he's he's stuck in the league, man. I mean, it's there really are – I mean, dude, De- Demir Bird has been in the league for, for over five years now. I mean, there's yeah. been a – the, the the obvious guys have stuck in the league, but there there's been a lot of other. That was sort of when Darian and I, I should have asked him about this too. Maybe we should prepare before we do interviews. Um, he was the guy that, or one of the guys that started the reputation of Ron Cooper being this outstanding 
talent evaluator because he, yeah. he landed Darian from Alabama. He landed Captain Monerlin, another guy that stuck in the league for a long time. And, yeah. you know, and, and D. Stu wasn't, like you said, wasn't highly recruited necessarily. Captain was like a literal old school two star. And, you know, both those guys started for South Carolina for a number of years and ended up playing in the league for a number of years. So Ron Cooper really had this reputation at the time as being not necessarily a great recruiter as far as going head-to-head and signing a bunch of guys, but of finding the right people to recruit. Absolutely, man. And that was that was – it was the case back then that you needed to do that, and it's still the case now, like especially at South Carolina. You're – at some point – you know, maybe they end up signing these top five, top 10 classes on a consistent basis. If so, then that means things are going well, right? But you need to be able to strike a balance of just doing an awesome job on your evaluations, finding some kids that maybe just don't quite reach to the board of an Alabama or Auburn in-state like Darian, finding a kid like Captain Munnerlin, um, you know, things like that. Those still apply nowadays, you know, and so – they did a really good job of finding guys like that at times. Even, you know, I even look at a, like an Eric Norwood, you know, I mean, he was a high three star and he had a pretty good offer list, but it's not like he was thought of as one of the best prospects in the country or something. Georgia didn't offer him, you know, those are, those are the types of things that you have to do. And you can find some big time players like that. And, and Darian was definitely one of those, man. It didn't take long after he got to Columbia to see that he was going to be an impact player. And he was, and, got into the league and did an outstanding job. You know, he, he was just made of the right stuff. Yeah, and I, I think now, you know, Darian and Cap, they, they were out-of-state guys. But I think, especially for South Carolina, in the current uh, landscape of things is probably a good word for it. I think in-state recruiting for with Shane Beamer has got to be at a uh, a really high level, but not necessarily in a sense of, on paper, but more that we look at this three or four, much like we look at Darian Stewart or Captain three or four years after they've been on campus and say, you picked the right guy to take. I think that will be a massive key. And it, and it was for, for Muschamp as well. Um, and sometimes, you know, and, and recruiting, man, we all know it's not a science. Sometimes you you swing for the wrong guys. But I think they need to hit on a higher percentage of guys in state as far as picking the right under the radar guys to take a chance on because this state does have a history of having kids like that who either emerge late or just, um, you know, are missing one, maybe one thing you're looking for, maybe not quite tall enough, maybe a step slow. There's one aspect you are missing maybe in your evaluation, but if they love ball and they're workers, they're guys that are going to be good culture fits maybe you take you know maybe you take a chance on, on a guy like that if everything else is in place if that makes sense no it does you, you got to have that balance now you know we talk a lot i think some people even get irritated well you can't just talk about just culture good kids that's true if you just sign a bunch of great kids and they really can't play you're not going to be very good but you do have to find that balance and having a great culture can give you an edge in recruiting particularly when you're at a place like south carolina they can't rely on a logo. They can't rely on a trophy case, some rich there, there's tradition and history at South Carolina, but it's not related to championships, you know, for example. So you have to find differentiators in recruiting and for them creating some type of culture, sort of like Darian was talking about where you see players, you know, from the past around all the time, um, you see a, a true family feel, everybody, every college coach, every program, they're going to talk about culture environment, family feel. They're going to talk about these things because they're recruiting buzzwords. When you can take those away, you know, when you can turn it from a recruiting buzzword into a reality and prospects actually see that and it's tangible, then it can be a differentiator in recruiting. And so um, that's why we talk about things like creating culture a lot. And that's why, you know, one reason why Shane Beamer is pitching this type of stuff during the interview process, during the coaching search, and it was something that was quite appealing to people who were in the position to make those decisions. I want to talk a little bit about let, – let's push it forward to to Beamer in and, and the last couple of days and then the next few days. By the way, Oklahoma's football game 
for Saturday has been canceled because West Virginia is essentially uh, going into COVID protocol, had too many contact traces or positives or, or whatever it was. Um, so no game for Oklahoma. That probably uh, helps Shane Beamer a little bit out from time management as far as that stuff goes. And so, Chris, I, I think a, a guy that, that fits all those things we're talking about, a kid that I've been very impressed with, and a kid, dude, that it, it feels like just from the actions that Beamer instantly wanted to try to get back into the fold would be someone like Bryce Steele. And I, I know you've talked to him before. I've talked to him before. God, man, just I think it's worth talking about how much I feel like that guy matches what you're looking for actually from a a maturity and, and culture fit plus the other side of it. He fits a need. He fills a need. He's that linebacker. He can run and cover. That's something they're trying to to sort of fix at that position. And I don't know right now if they can get him back in the fold. It's probably going to depend on can they hire a defensive coordinator between now and Wednesday. Is it a guy maybe he knows? Is it a guy he has a prior relationship with? If that happens, then, then maybe it's a conversation. But I think worth, I think it's worth singling out Bryce as being – that type of guy and and he's just that impressive of a kid he is man and we, we saw him in camp what a couple summers ago and physically impressive prospect because he checks off a lot of the boxes that you look for um even just sort of eyeballing a guy moving around he has size length um he looks like a bigger safety or a smaller linebacker but has the frame to continue getting bigger which going into his senior year that he has not gotten to play because of COVID, you know, ball was moved to the spring for him. Um, he was probably going to be, you know, 205, 2010 going in. So he can run, he can cover, he can play physically. And he's a fantastic kid, like you said. So he's someone that was, you know, I think going to be a really good addition to the Gamecock program no matter what. Now, unfortunately, they don't have him on the commitment list right now because of the coaching change. Just a lot of uncertainty, but he's still – what would you say, Wes? You most recent one to talk to him and sort of gather some info, probably on the hook, maybe you could say, or swimming around the hook. <laughs> and, he, he's know, he's listening at least. He's listening, yeah. He's considering. Um, mm-hmm. Here's the thing. So we, I mean, we we don't really like to do a whole lot of speculating. We like to more yeah. talk about info, but I do think that it will be an interesting couple of days after probably on Saturday and after Saturday, because as much as we sort of had a feel for the actual head coaching search, the assistant coaching search and filling all these roles, Chris, I would say has been relatively quiet since the Beamer hire. Now I think that's by design. I don't think necessarily with, uh, you know, and we already know Beamer has told some prospects some of the guys that I'm I'm hiring, as you would expect, are, are still playing in games right now, are still coaching in games that are being played. And I think once you get past Saturday, though, lots of teams will be ending their regular seasons. Then maybe you have some movement. Potentially, maybe you know, maybe there's even a few guys out there that, again, speculating have have maybe already decided even, but but they want to wait until after their regular seasons are over before they want that information to leak out. So I I think potentially we start to get a feel for some of these spots as soon as like a a Sunday, because if if there is someone out there that already sort of feels like they're coming on board and you have, I mean, just look at, just look at the, the timetable here, Saturday, end of regular season, Wednesday, beginning of early signing period. So it would only make sense that, in that window, you'd probably try to move as fast as possible. Yeah, definitely. I mean, every day is critical. You know, it was sort of like when South Carolina was going through the coaching search, like every day was another opportunity for something bad to happen, you know. And so you, you sort of, to some degree, had to tune that out because your focus had to be find the best coach if you're South Carolina. But once you found him, and Beamer was the leader for much of the process, as we've already discussed, move on it. And so they've moved on it and things move very quickly. It's very much a whirlwind in that office and for Beamer remotely. Now he's going to have even more time. He was already devoting plenty of time, as we know, Wes, from 
covering what he's done so far to building his staff and the recruiting efforts. Um, and that's, and that's going to continue, but yeah, I mean, obviously as much as possible, there's going to be some circumstances that limit you um, with the staff, such as some of them still playing games, but as soon as you can get those things into place, once you have your guys sooner, the better. Now in a hypothetical scenario, which is all we're talking about, you know, you mentioned Sunday for hiring a guy or, or two guys or whatever it may be. If that happens, you know, that gives you a few days before Wednesday to, you know, pound the pavement remotely, not actually. (laughs) Yes, of course. Um, You know, just to, just to see, you know, and here's the thing about, you know, trying to flip Bryce Steele back, or even if he was uncommitted, it's not like this is something totally foreign to him. You know, I mean, he, he's been committed to South Carolina. He knows a lot of the ins and outs, the differences, you know, the head coach is different. And then, you know, he's not sure, you know, defensively the type of system and things like that. So hypothetically, you know, maybe he he thinks about that and says, well, it's closer to home and well, I'm comfortable with this place and I'm comfortable enough with what they're going to do as a staff, but you never know. He, he obviously has a comfort level with BC, Jeff Halfley, the head coach there from Ohio state, Formerly as a defensive coordinator, so there's a familiarity level, a comfort level there also. Interesting note here, by the way, uh, Chris, I just saw from a Lincoln-Riley press conference. He said uh, that if Ryan Day called him up right now and asked if they wanted to play Ohio State, that he would say yes. So awesome. how, how awesome would that be? I, I will say um, our uh, brothers and sisters down there at, at Coastal here in the state, the fact that they were just – like screw it, we'll play BYU anytime, anywhere. We we had so much other stuff to talk about. We never got into any of that, but I I appreciate that. Uh, I I love that. I think um, you know now that all this is over, I, I think um, Chad Chadwell could have been a risk for South Carolina from a, a higher standpoint. Every you know every hire can be a risk, but I do think eventually another SEC program will probably take a chance on Chadwell, and uh, I I do. Just love that mindset. If, hey, if, if we get Ohio State, Oklahoma, it's not going to happen. Someone will jump in. It's fun. A lot. Of, here's the problem. A lot of these bigger schools will say, oh, we'll play anybody, anywhere, anytime. But then when it comes down to it, it, it doesn't actually happen. But I'm, uh, I, I love that Coastal Carolina actually did it. So, may, hey, may, maybe we do. Let's, let's do Oklahoma, Ohio State next Tuesday or something. We've had these <laughs> NFL games at random yeah. times, you know. <laughs> Yeah, no, you know what I was just thinking of as you were talking through that? I think it would be really cool if we had an entire season of just a screw-it football season where maybe you played, like, your rival. Maybe you played a team or two for your from your own conference, like, your like for example, like Georgia-Auburn, you know, th- things like that. But you just played whoever, just, just a hodgepodge, all these de- o- Oklahoma, Ohio State. So it's basically like – marquee non-conference games just all year i think that would be pretty awesome just to just to change it up but we would probably miss all the regular conference matchups and sec matchups and things like that wes uh i think it's time let, let me talk about dead soxy real quick to all the people and the game here so deadsoxy.com d-e-a-d-s-o-x-y dead soxy is the place where you need to go to get yourself hooked up with some socks it's around christmas time men's and women's socks boardroom dress sock line the no-show socks just got some pictures of the new product you Wes, you saw those a little bit more gamecock centric we'll unveil those at some point just go to deadsoxy.com and check out their entire inventory all different kinds of socks Wes and i both have them we both wear them it's getting cold so it is really great to have some dead soxy socks super comfortable soft no slip technology use the code holiday pro at deadsoxy.com to get 35% off your entire order. And hey, while you're lounging in your Dead Soxy socks, make sure you're in the game day chair from affordablemedicalusa.com, 803-926-1493. Check out the links in the description if you're on our podcast page or if you're watching us live streaming on YouTube right there in the description. Make sure you check out the game day chair. Several of our listeners and watchers getting one for Christmas. So look forward to the reviews. Make sure you join them. Don't get left out on Dead Soxy or the game day chair. Yeah, don't get left out on either one. Um, let's see. Had a person ask if they missed Darian. Yes, Darian was already on, but you can 
pretty easily rewind back, I think, and check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Gamecock Central, and uh, you should be able to go back to the beginning of the show. Or if you just want to listen to the interview, I'll have this posted probably within 15 minutes of the show ending on all the major podcast platforms, whether you're on iPhone or Android or whatever else, it'll pop up on there. So you should be good to go. Um, Dude, so there's two other things I want to hit, then we'll get out of here. Bowl talk. Yep. I I made a post yesterday. This is something, Chris, we've sort of been, I would say, tracking from – both of us have been tracking it, but from different uh, perspectives maybe and and then putting our heads together. And it's been weird because there's a lot of different just variables involved this year. And it started out, I would say – let's run down them real quick a what would south carolina be invited to a bowl game b would south carolina's administration want to go to a bowl game if they were invited to a bowl game c are the players even going to want to play in a bowl game and whether they do or don't um does that matter (laughs) to the decision and then it it sort of comes down to would South Carolina even have enough players? Because as we've seen, a lot of the teams have sort of had their numbers dwindle as far as available players. And you have the normal, well, not normal, the new normal, the 2020 normal stuff of COVID positives and contact traces that have locked people out from being able to play. Plus, you now have opt-outs. You're going to always, I think, have additional opt-outs for bowl games. Plus, injuries, transfers where guys maybe get a head start. So we posted this yesterday, last night, but Chris, I, th- I think the accurate way to say it is the same way we said it on the board. South Carolina, as a football team, is preparing to play for a bowl. Like They, they have been told to come back to school, to, to report back early next week on Monday. They will uh, have COVID testing, which is the first step of all this, and then they're, they're getting ready to play for a bowl. Have they been officially selected by a bowl yet? No. I, I was told they, they will probably know a bowl destination probably this weekend or after this weekend, so to speak. And then, though, it really comes down to, and I'll let you speak on this part, it sounds like from an administration standpoint that South Carolina would accept a bowl invite. But then it goes back to this other thing we're talking about where all the teams – really in the conference and in the country, it's going to come down to do they have enough players available on a roster to actually field a team to play in a bowl? Yeah, I mean, the the sort of confluence of factors, everything, whether it's conference, school, whatever, has made it seem from the people that we're talking to independently, Wes, you know, like you said, putting our heads together on it, that the bowl bid and acceptance right now where we are, right now, it's key to say, um, makes it seem more likely that a bowl will happen. Um, that's just what we're getting, the messaging we're getting from multiple places. And as you said, there's no doubt, this this is a, a fact, that they are preparing as if a bowl mm-hmm. is going to happen. That's for sure. Now, where it goes from here, that's a question. And probably that begins on Sunday, right? We'll, we'll know a little bit more then. Uh, obviously, the players had a mandatory week off after the season ended. Uh, lots of those players went back home, things of that nature, to get some R&R. And Sunday, the players will report back COVID testing, whatever else happens after that, we'll just have to see. It's a big play-it-by-ear situation. But fielding a team has been a concern for most SEC programs this this year, if not from the beginning of the year to the end. South Carolina and Kentucky, the only two teams in the league that did not have a game canceled or postponed due to COVID. So they got through well. But Kentucky had major issues their game before, and they were missing some guys on Saturday back on the last game. South Carolina, as we know, had major issues, whether it's injuries, opt-outs, COVID, whatever it may have been. And so a lot of those things have not subsided, right? We've seen a few more Gamecocks say they're going pro. You know, Sidarius Hutcherson and Shai Smith and Ernest Jones, even since the end, you would have to figure that some other players are going to say no thanks to a bowl game for a variety of reasons. And so – it is a serious question of what will the numbers look like? What What is sort of the acceptable threshold that everybody's comfortable with, not just for South Carolina, but for other schools? 
you know, who are going to be in difficult positions. So all that is going to weigh into it. And so that's why it's sort of a play it by your situation, but everything is proceeding as if right now, you know, a bowl is happening. Yeah. And, you know, and I see both sides of it, man. I really do. Um, ultimately, let's be honest here, man. There, there's a financial element to the bowl games and to filling television time and, and stuff like that, filling these slots. Speaking of, I, I'm going to get to something related to that here in a second. But, um, you know, then there's the other side of getting – I mean, if it's me, I'm just rolling all young guys out there. Now, even then, it's not, it's not in the current scheme – Right. It's not well, it's not in the future scheme, I should say. Um, what will now be the current scheme. So I don't know, but you get, you know, roll roll a Luke Doty out there, uh, you know, Rico Powers, Jakari Caldwell, uh, Jaheim Bell, uh, Mo Cobb on defense, you know, just play your young guys and, and get them another time out there. Um, you know, I, I don't imagine I haven't seen this. Maybe it's already out there. I don't imagine you're gonna be doing like a travel to the bowl site spend a week there, uh, you know, do all these activities like you used to do. I'm guessing you travel to a bowl game this year just like you travel to any other away game would be my anticipation. So yep. I, I can't imagine South Carolina making a huge – I mean, some of these bowls are like right around the corner anyway as far as the timing for them. So I imagine it's probably a few days extra of practice and then, you you know, you go play the game basically, and, and that's that. But Interestingly, speaking of TV stuff, I was looking. Uh, so the SEC, Chris, has – have you seen this on Twitter? The SEC has an announcement coming up at 6 o'clock yep. um, this evening. And somebody else may have had it as well, um, but I'll give credit where it's due. I saw it from, from Andy Staples, and he's saying that it's going to be regarding – a new TV contract for the SEC that um, Disney slash ESPN will be purchasing the rights to basically all of the SEC games instead of just part of them, which would essentially take away CBS. Uh, yeah. I'm a little CBS, sad about that. I, I am too. The CBS 330, I would guess that ends up on ABC maybe because although, you know, all Disney, ESPN, ABC, it's all tied together. But that would be weird not having the 330 CBS, right? Well, it was already weird after it, after uh, Uncle Vern walked away, too. It was just so different. But everything, it was one of those things. It was like the music for the 330 CBS game, Vern, you know, I mean, it was, there's something to it. So, you know, I don't know. We're sounding old now, I think. When you're like, oh, you know, but it, it was sort of a thing I saw as traditional. So it is a little disappointing, but that's that's been rumored for a while, man. And interesting because, you know, a lot of what we read, I mean, Disney, ESPN, they have tons of money tied up in rights agreements. Mm-hmm. And you would have to think that the SEC agreement is going to fetch a pretty penny. So, and we've seen ESPN, they've had to shift their business model, right, away from a lot of talent being let go and things like that because they've chosen to focus on rights and other different things, launching Disney plus, um, you know, ESPN plus all these different things. So um, very interesting move, very interesting move. Yeah. And I think what we've seen uh, not to get too deep into all this, what we've seen is that the, as far as live TV goes with, with shows and stuff, everybody watches on demand. The The only sort of premium for live TV right now is on sports. So I think they're sort of doubling down on that. I, I will say, as Andy Staples pointed out on Twitter, the guy from uh, the Sports Business Journal, um, John uh, Alrand, basically said this was probably going to happen like a year ago. Um, it hadn't happened yet at the time, but he was basically putting the pieces together from what he was hearing. And Surprisingly, the CBS deal was not as lucrative as you may think it should have been for the SEC, which is why Disney slash ESPN slash ABC have been like, we can throw more money at this. Now, Andy Staples also saying the current CBS package runs through 2023. And at the time, at this time, CBS 
intends to actually finish out the deal. But he also says that could change for the right price. So you could even see ABC, Disney, ESPN, basically, I guess, buy them out of that contract would be the way to say it. So, And didn't the Sports Business Journal, I mean, it what RN reported in like January, right? Like, like you said, almost a year ago. CBS, is this the figure you're referencing, Wes? $55 million for CBS and ESPN could give in the low 300 range? Yeah, I, I didn't remember the numbers. I just remember That's reading it and thinking. Yeah, well, and, I mean, it's, it's crazy, man. And, you know, the SEC schools got, I mean, you're talking about South Carolina and all the other schools from bowl and TV money payouts big what was it 45 46 million i think 44 to 46 million dollars was mm-hmm. their last distribution so this could up that even more so good news for the member schools of the sec yeah and and as will uh, mclean points out on youtube and i i saw this on twitter and i didn't even put two and two together disney is having their big investors day today where they update their investors on on future plans and, and stuff for the business so all, all that makes sense and, but man, talk about a potential well-timed, I know obviously it sounds like this won't go into effect for a few years, but with, with all the losses this year due to COVID, talk about a well-timed deal to, uh, to maybe help out in, in the future and, and get things back um, to where you can sort of recoup yep. some of those losses down the road. So no doubt, man. I mean, that's, that's what it's going to be all about. People are going to be looking for ways to get, you know, to save costs, which we've seen a lot of those been be put into place, and then how to generate more revenue, right? And so um, this is certainly a little bit more longer term, like you said, when some contracts shake out, but definitely schools can look at this and start banking on banking more dollars, you know, from, from a deal like this. That is the name of the game. All right, y'all, I think that's going to do it for today. Uh, appreciate the Attention to the show, as always. Appreciate y'all watching. Appreciate Darian Stewart for joining us. Um, I mean, we, we've had some guests on, man. It's not very often that like NFL players just reach out and are like, can we be on the show? So that was pretty cool. Appreciate Darian. He had some good stuff, some good stories. Some Spurrier, uh, I guess Spurrier got on him one time good. So if you didn't get to see that earlier or listen to it, go back and, uh, and listen to the beginning. Um, Chris, if everybody wants to come join us, Hopefully, they're already a subscriber anyway, but if they're not, they can use this code GCPOD, 30-day free trial to Gamecock Central, or just go ahead and get in. Use code Gamecocks to get 50% off of your first year. And, dude, I got a feeling the information is just going to keep on coming. Yeah, it's been – I was just about to say, man, it has been busy. Lots of notes being dropped on the board. We haven't even gotten to reference some of them on the show today or even this week. Um, so always stuff going on. If you got questions, ask Chris on there every day, Wes, answer your questions. If you want on the board, Carolina confidential insider report, dropping notes left and right. Got all sorts of stuff going on. It's just a great time to join. If you have not yet. Yeah. The Carolina confidential I put out today might be the longest one of the entire year. And it just (laughs) kept growing and growing and growing. And the funny thing is stuff got left out, which will probably be put in there tomorrow, Mm -hmm. possibly. So Come check us out, GamecockCentral.com. We appreciate it, y'all. We appreciate you putting your time um, into us, and uh, we will see you tomorrow. For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see you then. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.